everybody. We welcome you to episode 52. Well, now it's game week. It's game, game week. week. We got Vanderbilt on Saturday. It is officially the beginning of the Timmy Chang era. Hopefully, everybody's having a great week. Hopefully, you're having a week anywhere near as good as the Honolulu Little Leaguers who just continue to just obliterate baseballs out there in Williamsport. All-time level, man. The They're games. unreal. Oh, man. They, I mean, it's it's kind of silly. Like it, it's kind of comical at how good they have played, and then of course they'll be in the U.S. Championship game on this Saturday, game day that Hawaii takes on Vanderbilt. There's a chance they could face a Tennessee team again in the U.S. Championship game. That'd be kind of Tennessee uh, in the morning, and then Hawaii Vanderbilt a little later on in the evening. We're a little we're a few days away mm -hmm. from that. Jordan Helly Hunter Hughes back with you once again. We're guestless on this episode in large part because there is a ton, a ton to get to. Uh, depth chart is out. Vandy is in town. There's a game to play on Saturday. It seems like it should be a capacity crowd at Chang 9,000 plus to ring in the 2022 season. But, bef but before we get going, I want to remind everybody that Hawaii Football Now is brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Originally opened in 1936 as a credit union for educators, Hawaii USA has inspired a culture of giving that is rooted in education and has since become Hawaii's largest credit union and expanded to other areas of community need that impact financial health, including health care, housing, and hunger. To learn more, please visit HawaiiUSAFCU.com. Big mahalo to our other sponsor, Spectrum Mobile. We record this on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Hawaii time set to release this tomorrow, Thursday, August 25th. Again, the Game Week episode, also episode 52. That's like a full circle around the sun for Hunter and I. Uh, so it's good. It's time to get things going. It's time for the opening drive. Saturday's game. Just want to remind everybody, if you are going to the game, you know, get there early. That's probably a friendly reminder. Uh, but also, it's a wear green. So they've, they've kind of released every game, every week, um, every home game, uh, a theme, right? They're trying to make it a theme. There's some green games. There's some white games. There's some green and white games. There's a Halloween game. But anyway, wear green on Saturday. That's the message put out by the, uh, by the athletic staff. Uh, it's going to be a green out at least that there in Manoa at Ching. So be sure to don the green can. Uh, how pumped are you, Hunter? How pumped are you that this is going to get going? Of course, you can catch Hunter as well as the Veneri brothers on the ESPN Honolulu radio broadcast of the game. Hunter will be patrolling the sidelines, trying not to heckle him too much. He's got a job to do out there, folks. But how pumped are you, my man? Oh, man, I, we're, we're, we're beyond just talking Jordan now it's like time to hit somebody it's like football time man I love it and it's funny you say uh, don't heckle I give anybody out there permission you see me give me a holler hey what's up Hunter like I would love to hear from some of the HFN uh crew that that is just stuck with us through this whole calendar year Jordan uh we're, we're back in football time and there was some low points man between you know January February March um timmy's here feels great with what the brotherhood has done now we get to see what the brotherhood does on the field because up until football season i was talking with somebody last night the head football coach's job kind of feels like you're the mayor it doesn't really feel like you're a coach it is like, election season it's exactly right they're they're taking pictures they're um kissing babies they're um you know sitting with uh the kapuna <laughs> at uh um you know at a retirement home uh it's it's bigger than football but now is where the rubber meets the road on can we get it done and uh i just actually flew in yesterday jordan from the mainland um back in the in the aina and there were a load of Vandy shirts on my Southwest Airlines flight 1157, by the way, if you're wondering. But um, yeah, plenty of those guys on my flight talked a little trash to them after a sturdy handshake. You know, they're from the South. You got to show a little love. But uh, told them they've uh, they got a fight coming this Saturday at, uh, at Shing Complex. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. No doubt about that. The other big question is, you know, what's the squad going to look like? We got we got a big, good indication during camp. You know, guys battling it out for positions, a lot of open spots, uh, but albeit some some good returnees as well. Uh, we were waiting for the depth heart to drop. It came out earlier this week. It's, you know, it's written on paper. Basically, take it with a grain of salt. It is not a any way a binding document. Like, these are the guys that got to start. But this is the two deep, basically released 
by the University of Hawaii. So we transition to the game time and let's dive right into it. Basically, um, we'll start on the offensive side. Uh, uh, the one thing I think that jumps out at you is the veteran nature of the offensive line, right? Uh, at left tackle, they got Il Manning back as the starter guy who started 13 games the left, ta left tackle last year. Uh, was an all Mountain West selection in 2019. Started all 14 games at left tackle as a freshman in 2018. He's there. Uh, the number two on the depth chart there is kind of DeCamera, the redshirt freshman from St. Louis School. Uh, at left guard, you got Stephen Bernal Wentz, uh, who's been with the program since 2017. He's one of those guys that have sort of been around for a while. I did, I, I believe he opted out in the 2020 year, uh, but he's basically been with the program <laughs> for like six seasons now. Uh, five, you know, six, five years over six. Uh, he's Kaiser guy, he spent a, a year up at high school in LA as well. Zen Sotelo out of Kapolei and Waianae. Uh, the number two at left guard. And then as you move along, I mean, there's a lot of dudes here. Eliki Tanuvasa, uh, who was really good last year in six starts, was an FCS All-American in Eastern Illinois in 2018 before he transferred home. Uh, also one of the four captains on this squad. You got Sergio Muasal, the middle line graduate, Darius's brother, uh, who's the backup center on the two deep. Micah Vanterpool at right guard. He was over on the left side last year. We talked to him when we interviewed him on this very podcast. The guy's basically played all over. I uh, was honorable mention all Mountain West last year. Um, Solo Vaipulu is the backup at right guard, which is pretty interesting because Solo started a lot of games for Big this time. team on the offensive line. And it's pretty versatile. Starts last year at right guard. Started all nine games in 2020. Nine starts in 2019 as well. And we all know how this goes, right? Those five guys aren't going to play every Pulu is one of those guys that can move all over the place and then the right tackle is Austin Hop second year to your age played four seasons over at Western Illinois was uh an all FCS all freshman uh freshman all-american as well according to Phil Steele and in the backup there is Luke Felix Fualalo um a lot of veteranship on that offensive line Hunter and especially you know and right guard in particular but the fact that Solo Vipulu isn't in the starting lineup I think speaks to the fact that it's really yeah. deep it's a really deep group and basically all five guys on the starting um, on the starting offensive line, oh, all yeah. seniors. No, I, I couldn't be more um, at peace with this, uh, with this offensive line. I don't know if we've ever been this deep before. Uh, occasionally we might stretch to maybe three seniors, but we've got a handful of them right now. I mean, Micah is one of the, the lonely still in the team along with Panay Pavii that, that's uh, teammates with me all the way back in 2017 days. Um, just, I feel like we're stacked here at offensive line. Uh, a lot of times the offensive line uh, with any team is kind of in question. You're like, okay, how are we going to kind of, this is like the strongest unit maybe of our entire roster is our offensive line right now. Um, Il Manning really has a chance to make it at the next level too. Maybe not at the left tackle position, but um, you put your main guy um, blindside left tackle. You just, you do. That's what you, you have to do to protect your quarterback. So um, what this unit can produce, um, and I'm particularly intrigued to see how our running game is going to, we're solid at pretty much every position here with guys getting serious starts and serious game times at the division one level. Now it just wonders who's going to be the quarterback behind it, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, that's that's the other big question there, right? You'll notice on the two deep, there's a lot of ors. Yeah. O-R, you know, basically meaning it could be this guy or that guy. And that uh, that kind of leads us into the next position group at tight end. It could be Jordan Murray, who people have raved about as an absolute specimen of an athlete. Or it could be Caleb Phillips, right, who was one of the prominent tight ends last year. He's in the second year. I'm looked fairly good last year, the, the transfer from Stanford. Uh, but Jordan Murray. Uh, this guy, this guy's a stud. And, and I think you, you know, I think in different personnel groupings and different situations down in distance dictating, you, you'll probably see both guys, right? You'll probably see both guys in there. Uh, you could see both guys on the field at the same time. The other pass catchers, uh, the three starting receivers, Zion Bowens, uh, who started last three games last year, 12 total catches on the year. I thought really came on strong towards the end of the season, did Bowens. Uh, Jonah Ponoke and James Phillips, uh, who had been kind of a running back when he came in transition really versatile receiver versatile offensive weapons great Ehu, the number two design on bowens jalen walthall the number two 
to Jonah Pinocchio, and then there's Dior Scott or Tamatoa Mokio Ati Malala as the number two, basically, to James Phillips. Uh, what do you make of, of kind of the skill guys here, Hunter? Um, yeah, I, I love that pretty much every position here is including the word or. Uh, when you're down at practice, though some guys might take the ones, that it's kind of been the story of camp this year is anybody can jump in there and make plays. Um, it's very uh, kind of in alignment with the scheme and how they talk about it. Back when we had uh, Jared Ursua, they're going to be unapologetically um, without labels right now. I think they're um, just trying to use what tools and what uh, skill guys they have to work with right here. Obviously, um, you look at someone like Tamatoa um, Mokiao Atimalala, who had a phenomenal spring game. He had, what, three touchdowns in that spring game? Um, uh, Caleb Phillips, whenever he's down at practice at tight end, is kind of one of the leaders whenever he's down there. A great kid. Uh, anybody that gets a Stanford education is just going to carry themselves a little bit differently. Um, and he's uh, a graduate transfer, so he's older than a lot of these guys, just carries himself with a little bit different um, uh, little level of uh, charisma, if you will. And so I know a lot of those guys will kind of lean on him for his leadership. Um, and then we've got a great receiver core kind of being put together right here with Zion, Jonah Pinoke, uh, James Phillips, Dory Scott, obviously um, a kind of a a charismatic uh, figure with our offense. He's going to be out there making plays as well. Um, again, I, I, I'm really curious, uh, Jordan, not just to see guys out there, but what sort of scheme we're able to really package together and what Coach Shoemaker and Timmy have been cooking up during this offseason. Because every time I talk with the guys, um, really towards the first half of camp, they're like, we're still doing install. We're still doing this. We're still doing that. Um, we're going to have a lot to digest after this first game. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot, even even as you pointed out, some of these guys that aren't necessarily in the starting lineup or yeah. at least lifted at the top of the depth chart. Uh, we could see quite a bit out there as well. Uh, offensive line and the running game was a big strength last year. They bring back Dior, uh, excuse me, Diedrich Parsons, um, who was a, a really solid number two and at times number one, depending on Dede Hunter's availability last year. Uh, Diedrich, the Howard transfer, kind of a grinder out there. He's another captain for this group. Um, he's the number one at running back. And then the number two spot basically is Tylen Hines or Jordan Johnson, right? Two true freshmen out of Texas. Explosive guys. It's going to be kind of really interesting to see how those guys mix in there as well. How much they rely on Parson as the feature back. Is he going to be in every down back? Are they going to have situational, situational type stuff for, for Hines, who's a little smaller, uh, but real shifty, right? Or, or Jordan Johnson who has got some of that explosive home run type of ability. Um, I'm interested to see, right? And, and especially for a team that that was run heavy last year and, and really exactly. utilized the run as one of their strengths, how that translates to this new scheme, to this new regime. Um, but I, I like the depth they got here at running back. Yeah, and being down at practice, all three of these guys can catch the ball in the flat. I was very uh, impressed with their hand. I think they're going to be incorporated in the passing attack, um, you know, very regularly. I, I see that as a big part of our offense uh, because we're going to be able to kind of sit behind and chill behind that O-line. Uh, and even if we're not open down the field, checking down to our, our running backs who can make plays is a great option. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think I think those guys and their versatility is is something that that um, they can take advantage of. Even a guy like James Phillips, right, who we mentioned, has kind of been able to, to slide in and out in the past different spots on that formation. Of course, that leads us to the big question, right, on on offense. Who's the quarterback going to be? We don't know yet, <laughs> right? And we were kind of curious. And we, we wanted to wait till the depth chart came out to do this podcast because it did give us a little bit more to talk about. They basically can fit three names on the depth chart. That's kind of the template that they use. Uh, Vanderbilt, they just list like everybody. So they list like all five quarterbacks on, on their sheet. Um, but the, the template that Hawaii uses, uh, you basically fit three names on there. Uh, and that's what they did. They went with Braden Shager or Joe Yellen or Cam and Cooper. Uh, although Timmy Chang in media availability says uh, basically all five are still in the mix. That includes Jake Farrell and Armani Eden. Uh, he wants Vandy to have to prepare for all. 
which makes total sense. Um, so I don't know, you, you read into, okay, it's one of those three, or could it even be one of the two guys that weren't listed on the sheet because, you know, there wasn't enough room to type their names in. Uh, one other caveat, uh, Connor Apo intends to transfer the St. Louis graduate, uh, who was kind of the scout team quarterback. He does intend to transfer to a junior college to continue his career. Uh, but of those five guys, it seems like we maybe have it narrowed down to three Shager yelling the pit transfer and Cooper, the Washington state transfer, or hey, maybe it could. It, all five are still in the mix. Um, I guess at this point, we we uh, we still don't know, Hunter. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Connor is transferring out makes this particularly interesting on a day-to-day perspective at practice because you need at least two guys down on the scout team to be able to give the defense a good look to be prepared week in and week out. Um, Armani Eden is by far the best dual threat option that we have. He's the fastest, most explosive. Um, Braden Shager, by far, in my opinion, throws the best ball. Um, Jake Farrell, by far, is the tallest. Um, so, you know, I wish that we could give our listeners a little bit more um, inside football here, but uh, that, that's pretty much everything that we have right now. And we're kind of playing to Coach Timmy and Shoemaker's um side of the argument of hey we're we're we're, uh behind whatever they want to do any of these guys can be ready come uh saturday so i'm i'm excited to see what's going to happen yeah it's going to be really interesting to see with these quarterbacks if you if you had to kind of make a a little bit of a prognostication if you if you had to play a, a little bit of a forecaster who do you think ultimately takes that first snap for hawaii uh, I think the person they're going to put up there is going to make the, the least amount of mistakes, uh, hang on to the football. And I think at this point from everything that I've seen, I think Shager has done that the best through spring, uh, through fall camp. And although maybe other guys could interchange with some other skill sets, I think he's our best option to take care of the football and, um, I don't ever want to say a boring style of football, but it's almost a, uh, a meat and potatoes style of, uh, of running our offense. So um, in my mind, that's the safest pick right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coaches will tell you, right, if you can take care of the football, that goes a long, long way uh, to that. So that'll kind of uh, wrap it up on offense here for the University of Hawaii as we go through that again. No real clear indication as to who that starting quarterback is going to be. But if I had to kind of put a put a guess on I think Shager is probably the the um the front runner uh if it's not him I think it's Joey Yellen uh, that would be my guess I could be completely wrong it might be you know Jake Farrell uh who takes that first snap but we shall see okay, Armani yeah it could be it could be any number of those guys right uh five still in the mix crazy enough to think about it but uh I like I like that they're keeping everybody on their toes that's uh I think no surprise really at the end of the day there all right, getting into the defensive depth chart here. Uh, kind of interesting, Hunter, and you can kind of walk us through this here in a little bit as well. Basically, three defensive linemen listed, three linebackers listed, and five defensive backs. Uh, and what looks like it'll be maybe an odd front, but but a pretty versatile one, a, a flexible one. But you can describe this a little bit more for us in detail. Well, let's get into the front six, if you will, here. Uh, defensive end, Matteo Soli, the transfer from Arkansas. I think he's turned a lot of heads in camp. Uh, he is a guy that provides a lot of hope that they can get, you know, a pass rush without having to, to send more than three or four. Uh, the guy that can win a lot of individual one-on-one battles there up on the line of scrimmage. Uh, Andrew Choi is the number two listed at DN at Nose. Uh, Nose Talky got Blessman to Allah, one of the two defensive captains, uh, the veteran there on the inside. Uh, Shaw, the Farrington product, or Anthony Sangopolutele, the UNLV transfer out of St. Louis School. Those are listed as the or on the number two spot at nose tackle. And then at D tackle, you got John Tui Tupo, the Kalahale transfer, who I think emerged a little bit last year as well. I, I'm not surprised to see him in there at the top of the two deep. His number two, Ezra Evi Malo, who had a good spring, uh, good camp as well. Uh, we could see him out there quite a bit. Uh, and then this is where things, I think, get a little interesting. He got listed at linebacker, basically. Jonah Kahavai Welch at 6'2", 230 um, as the one there, uh, a guy who mainly a defensive lineman by background, but kind of, you know, what the the size, uh, 
a little bit of a tweener. Uh, Winded Ho'ohuli, 6'3", 240, or Colby Wyatt, 6'4", 235. Wanted to kind of list their their height and weights there and kind of give you an indication. Remember, Wyatt was a Georgia transfer last season uh, who came in as a tight end, uh, but he's moved over to the defensive side of the ball. Winden, of course, the uh, the former uh, high-level recruit out of Mililani who is transferred back home from Nebraska linebacker he'd been used kind of on the d-line and i know you'll touch on this here in a little bit hunter and then the other two linebackers paneba vihi no surprise there noah kema the uh junior college transfer is the number two there and isaiah tufanga um two linebackers were very very familiar with Pavihi, the fourth captain second on the defensive side logan taylor who missed most of last season with injury is the backup there at linebacker so those are front six uh what do you make of that hunter sort of the the way that these things are listed the positional makeup of all of this, you got guys like Kahavai Welch, Ho'ohuli listed at linebacker. Uh, what do you what do you make of how this defense under Coach Yoro is going to look like just based off of this step chart? Yeah, I mean, that, without a doubt, the defense was our strongest unit all last season under Todd Graham. And I, I'm very curious as what uh, Jacob Yoro uh, defense is going to look like, you know, just under his um, type of, uh, defensive scheme that he wants to run but from the guys right here particularly with Jonah uh, Kahavai Welch and Panay Pavi'i listed at linebacker it shows that they're going to have a lot of movement out there uh, for, for those listening at home uh, those two guys in particular are on the line of scrimmage almost every play and so the fact that they're listed in the depth chart at linebacker um, just shows that they're capable both of providing uh, rush and edge um, containment, but also dropping back into pass coverage. So, um, I, you know, it's it's kind of similar to what the offense is doing, Jordan, where there, there's a lot of different guys, a lot of um, guys that can provide skill set at a variety of positions. And it's kind of an old school way of uh, doing football that is – kind of in the past now of we are a 4-3 or we are a 3-4. It shows that we have guys that can do a multitude of different things on the defensive level. And it it kind of backs that up with them being listed in these specific uh, position groups. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And, and it, it, it brought up the memory, you know, we talked to Coach Yoro months ago now, um, you know, after the transition – he, I think it was during spring practice, basically, um, you know, he said, you have to be multiple on defense these days because of all the different offenses you see, not just from week to week, but from like series to series, play to play, right? With different personnel groupings, how offenses are sort of amoebic. They can shift shapes. They can put in heavy packages. They can move guys around. They want to take advantage of things like that. So conversely, you need versatile guys. You need, you need a defense that can look, much different um, from series to series and, and guys that can play in different spots that can cover, that can play up and help against the run that can play at the line of scrimmage. So I, to your point, it just kind of reminded me of that conversation we had with coach Yoro where it's like, Hey, this is what a modern defense has to look like. It's like a requirement now based on what teams you're going to play. Right. And it, it may stay, you know, maybe a three, three, five in terms of personnel on the two deep, but, that's not what it's always going to look like. And you've got a lot of versatile guys. And, and I do think that linebacker core um, could be a strength of this team, especially that defense with, with Pavihi and Tufunga there. Uh, I, I'm real high on those guys. Better in nature, the leadership there as well. Uh, let's talk about the, the defensive backs here. Uh, the nickel, basically that third cover guy, uh, Malik Hausman, interesting enough, right? The Arizona transfer who just transferred basically two months ago in June. Um, and then you've got Peter Manuma, the Camel graduate, and then you got Ty Marsh, who's been with this program a couple of years there. That's a that's a three way or it's kind of like the quarterback position. You got Houseman, you got Manuma, and then uh, you got Marsh as well. So it could be any one of those three guys. Uh, at the other corner positions, you got JoJo Forrest, the Oregon State transfer. Uh, Devin King is his number two, the Maryland transfer, who just transferred like a month ago, uh, who came in. Uh, and then you got Hugh Nelson on the other side, who had six starts last year. Hugh, Hugh Nelson, the second, the Georgia transfer, right? Or Verdale Edwards, Verdale Edwards, the second as well, the Iowa State transfer, who signed in that early signing period in December out of the transfer portal. 
Uh, so kind of interesting there because you look at basically the three cover guys, right? The, the nickel and the two corners, a lot of transfers. They lost a lot there as well to transfer. Um, but it's kind of interesting that, that all power five transfers, well, Oregon State, Arizona, Georgia, Iowa State, right? A lot of got Maryland uh, in the two deep guys here who have at least experienced at some pretty high level football. And I think a testament to Coach Elamimian working that transfer portal, getting these guys in. It's a lot of new faces, but the pedigree is there, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. We, we knew in the offseason the work that we needed to do to fill the holes that we lost in the transfer portal, particularly on the defense. We lost some on the offense, but it was definitely felt heavier, I felt, on the defensive side of the football. And, I mean, just looking at this right now, we're I mean, pedigree alone, we are set. I mean, we've got – um, two SEC guys, uh, multiple um, uh, Pac-12s. Uh, there's there's one Big 12 in there. Um, I'm excited, man, for what this defense could do. It feels like we're set on each and every uh, position on this defense. And it seems like the scheme is kind of a um, re- revolving kind of fluid um amorphous kind of uh identity if you will from what we're kind of seeing right here because we have the skill set to back that up um i hope these guys feel um the kind of i I wouldn't say um expectation but the hope that we could do something similar to what we did last year because the defense was absolutely fantastic under todd graham era say what you will about the man he knew how to run defense, and the guys seemed to be um, turnover-hungry uh, and ball um, ball hawks. It's kind of a nickname that we use in the uh, um, uh, in, in, in inside jargon football right there. All those guys were ball hawks. I would love to see more of the same from our defense this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see these guys, a lot of new faces that we'll get used to seeing uh, and get an introduction on Saturday. And then you got the two safeties, uh, and, and this is where it's uh, – it's like an all local boy party back there at safety. You yeah. got Leonard Lee, who has gone on quite a, a, a an odyssey like journey the last, you know, nine, 10 months or so. Um, at one safety, you got Matungi Thompson, who is a youngster out of Punahou at the other safety. Uh, the two number twos, basically, Noah Kamana, um, who was mainly a special team there prior. Um, who, who spent one year up at Oregon. He's a local guy. Meki Pei, who's another Power 5 transfer. The Iolani graduate is transferring home from uh, from the University of Washington. So, again, this this defensive backfield is littered with Power 5 transfers. Uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of interesting that the two deep at both safety positions, four local kids, um, it kind of harkens back to, to some of those guys, whether it be Leonard Peters or uh, Mike Traxler or some of these guys, right, that, that uh, Mike Tressler – uh, these guys who, uh, you know, could lay the hat a little bit uh, and we're looking, we're afraid of some contact. And I don't know if that's exactly how this plays out. Cause you got some very versatile guys back here, but yeah. it's kind of amazing that it, it, it's all local kids. Um, and at Leonard Lee in particular, the couple graduate who was basically, you know, not part of the team after speaking out, you know, and, and kind of getting some of the, the wheels turning on, on the coaching turnover and then he, he's brought back into the program. The dude just got put on scholarship the other day. Um, and now he's starting. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of the starters here. Uh, and, and kind of a testament in perseverance, but uh, just a crazy, crazy road for him to, from going, you know, he wasn't with the program less than a year ago. And now he's starting. You know, he's starting at safety after having a, a, a terrific spring game uh, and has really put in the work. And, and so this, this safety group, I think, is, is also kind of intriguing. Uh, with all these guys getting in there, even coming on pay who, who are listed as the number twos. Yeah. And the, the, the fact that he is now in a starting position, given all of what happened shows that, um, that he's a leader amongst the guys. Uh, it, I, you need one of your, your stud uh, leaders at, at the safety position. Cause a lot of times along with the middle linebacker, they're the ones calling out plays. Um, and calling out signs uh, from the sideline 
And I, I'm excited for a guy like Leonard Lee, who was courageous enough and everything that happened last year. We didn't need to obviously get into all of that, but it's, it's good to see. It's good to see that not all of that was um, final, that, you know, you can keep going. And in some ways, uh, there, there's a new uh, kind of turning of the leaf for a guy like that and a, a, a new opportunity here at the same school. Instead of taking off, there's there's new life now. It's it's cool to see. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so that's that's the defensive depth chart. At special teams, I think they're in a pretty good spot as well, at least with some veteran presence. Obviously, Matt Shipley being back. The dude was money last year. Uh, I thought kind of even uh, was a little underrated at how quality he was for this team. Uh, he's the starting kicker and punter once again. Uh, Kyler Halverson is the backup kicker. That dude's got a leg. Uh, he will be the kickoff guy. He will handle kickoffs, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense there. Ben Falk is the uh, backup punter uh, for this group. He will also be the backup kickoff guy. Uh, Solomon Landrum is the long snapper. Uh, Jake Farrell will likely be the holder. And then uh, when you get into the return game, special teams, Hawaii always uh, a big spark. The uh, number one at punt returner is Dior Scott. Uh, Diedrich Parson is the number two at punt returner. And then kick returner. Uh, Jalen Purdue listed as the one Zion Bowens as the two Purdue had a nice little breakout end of the season last year. The dude had a little explosiveness in him, but overall special teams, um, at least from a personnel standpoint, you got to feel really good with the guys that are coming back. And, and obviously it all starts with Shipley. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to maybe make this, uh, this comparison, but I feel as confident with Shipley back there as the Baltimore Ravens probably do with Justin Tucker. Uh, I mean, it's just from a um, logistics standpoint, it's taken care of anything inside 30 yards. I know this guy is going to be money um, outside of that. So many more um, elements come into play, but uh, Shipley is the best fit for us at, at place kicker um, and everything else. Now that we finally have a coach at the special teams spot I know that we're going to be well taken care of from kickoff kick return punt punt return and um and field goal as well so um hopefully it's nothing but the the same with with regards to uh Hawaii football uh special team greatness yeah we'll yeah. see yeah uh, it'd be it'd be nice to see that be a weapon once again for the university of Hawaii and uh, I'm with you Shipley is a guy who, who instills a lot of confidence I think uh, and they, they can feel good about that all right so that's the two deep that's the Hawaii side of things we also wanted to kind of look at Vanderbilt a little bit here and and preview the Commodores coming to town already got into practice at Farrington uh, earlier this week that's kind of where they'll be uh, setting up shop as they prepare for the Bows um, this is just the fifth ever game for Vanderbilt outside of the central time zone, west of the central time zone, basically, right? They're obviously in Nashville, oh. Tennessee, in the east time zone. So the east time zone, the central time zone, they've only played five games west of the central time zone. That's a, that's incredible to me. Last season's win over Colorado State was their first game west of the central time zone since 1979. They played Colorado State last year, got the win in Fort Collins. They've only played one game ever in the Pacific time zone. So again, so they basically played three games in the mountain time zone in their program's history. They've only played one game in the Pacific time zone, 1961 at UCLA. This will obviously be their first trip out to Hawaii, their first trip west of the Pacific time zone. This is, this is rare. This is rare for Vanderbilt. Um, and it's, it's a test. This is a program that's not used to traveling this far. Uh, and maybe that bodes well for the university of Hawaii. I tell you what else bodes well is the fact that they weren't very good last year. Uh, they were two and 10 in 2021. Their two wins against Colorado State, as we mentioned, and against UConn. They also lost to FCS East Tennessee State. On offense, they averaged 312 yards per game, basically 123 yards rushing, 189 yards passing. Those aren't good numbers in college football. Uh, they were the worst statistical offense in the Power Five, the third worst overall in the country. And look, Hawaii's offense wasn't very good overall last year either. There are some numbers there that aren't very kind to the group, especially in the turnover category. Uh, but this is a group that is going to look to make a huge leap under Clark Lee, the Vanderbilt alum, the second year man uh, under uh, after he moved over from Notre Dame as the defensive coordinator. He's a defensive minded head coach. 
Of course, interestingly enough, right, he left to go take the vanity job. Marcus Freeman got hired over from Cincinnati. And next thing you know, Marcus Freeman is the head coach there at Notre Dame. That kind of started the dominoes uh, after Brian Kelly or just prior to Brian Kelly basically leaving for LSU. Um, he's made no bones about it, Clark Lee. He, he says they want to be one of the premier teams in the SEC, which obviously means they want to be one of the premier teams in the country. He's got lofty goals. Um, just some early impressions, Hunter, of this Vanderbilt team who at current checking, and this is Wednesday, we're now at about 12.15 p.m., uh, they are eight-point favorites. They are eight-point road favorites here against Hawaii in a road trip that they have never taken before in their program's history. But just some early impressions, thoughts on uh, week zero, the opponent for the Bows. I think we are in a perfect position to make a statement with this game. Uh, Vandy, obviously, yes, they're an SEC school. They're a Power 5 school. But there is no reason we can't beat Vanderbilt. They lost to East Tennessee State last year. Let's go. I, I, I really, I, I don't know why we can't win against Vandy in this first game under the Timmy Chang era. Obviously, there's so much still to see with what sort of an offense we're going to create, what guys are going to be in place, how our defense does under um, Coach Yoro, um, Vandy, how they're going to travel out here. There's so many things up in the air. But let me just put a stake in the ground and say we're winning this game, Jordan. Let's there go. We go. Game week. Go Bows, uh, no doubt in my mind. It might be tight towards the end, but uh, I think these uh, East Coast uh, Tennessee guys are going to be a little sleepy um, in the second half of uh, uh, that game at Ching Complex. Could be, could be. Hunter likes them as a live dog here. Hawaii plus eight at current check. It was like six and a half two days ago, a day ago, basically. It's jumped back up to eight. That's you can read into wow, that. And, and, yeah, you can dive into that a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe people jumping on it at less than a touchdown. Um, they returned 15 of 22 starters, seven on offense, eight on defense. They, there is a lot of experience there for this group, um, including Mike Wright, who is their quarterback. He is a Maxwell Award watch list guy. Uh, Maxwell Award given out to the outstanding player overall in college football every year. It's a fairly extensive watch list, to be fair. Um, he had five starts last year, 53% passing, uh, just over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. You know, okay good. numbers, okay That's numbers, but, but not eye-popping at that. You know, and, and again, he started five of their 12 games last year. Um, interestingly enough, their third leading passer, who was, you know, I think through 10 passes or something last year, was, was Jerry Musa. Uh, of course, a lot of diehard Hawaii fans will remember uh, Musa, who transferred or started off at the University of Hawaii, transferred to San Bernardino Valley College. Uh, then found his way to Vanderbilt. He is actually now a tech, uh, Florida AM, uh, completing out his career. Actually, I don't know if it's the final stop for him. I don't know how much eligibility Jeremy still has, uh, but kind of a fun little tie there uh, between Hawaii and Vanderbilt. Their top four tacklers are back. They got a really good linebacker in Anthony Origi, um, who is uh, a, a kind of a versatile sideline to sideline guy, tackle machine. He had like 92 last year for this group. It, interestingly enough, you know, the defense wasn't great, but the offense was worse last year, but they've completely remade their defensive staff. Uh, and again, Clark Lee is a defensive minded guy with a defensive background. They got a new defensive coordinator, Nick Howell. They got a new DB coach, a new linebacker coach, a new D line coach, a new defensive end coach. So they basically overhauled that entire defensive staff, uh, offensive staff, more or less intact. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Hunter. If Hawaii can score some points, if yeah. they can put some points up, look, they've they've had mixed success in these week zero games, right? They, you, you, whether it's the the Cal game in Australia uh, last year, got shellacked by UCLA to be fair, but they had the, the two year stretch where hey, they went up to Colorado State in conference, shocked the Rams there. That was kind of the coming out party for Cole McDonald, you know, and 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 company there with those offenses in 2018 and 2019, uh, and then. You got the, the Arizona game in week zero as well. Hawaii has fared well in these week zero games, especially at home, right? Or season openers at home. I think they've won their last six or seven season openers, including a, a couple against power five opponents. And so I'm with you. I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm a little uneasy only because I just don't know exactly what this is going to look like once they get on on the field. But I think all things considered, this is a game that's there for the taking. This yeah. is a game that Hawaii can win. Um, especially if they can put up some points because I don't have a huge amount of confidence in Vanderbilt going up and dropping 40 
you know, I think they're going to be physical. I think they're going to run the football. I think they're going to use those SEC linemen to try and beat Hawaii up at the line of scrimmage. But I don't know if that necessarily equates to 40. I think that could have resulted in a, in a tough, bruising-type game. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I, I think Hawaii's got a shot. You know, I, I think you're, you're maybe a little more optimistic in terms of an outright win. But, yeah, I, I, look, an SEC opponent, Hawaii doesn't play these two offense first time since 2008 in the trip to, to the Swamp when they took on Georgia the year after the Sugar Bowl um, appearance. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, all things considered, if you've got a Power 5 opponent coming in, the Vandy Commodores, you know, this this this, yeah. this is an SEC team. they got SEC athletes, but this is a chance. This is a great make, opportunity, make, I think, for Hawaii. Make no mistake, Vanderbilt, although they are in the SEC, they operate much similar to an Ivy League school. They have very high um, academic requirements to even get into that school. And so similarly with – Schools like Notre Dame, Stanford, a um, lot more schools over on the East Coast, that there's a higher echelon or expectation um, for football players to get into the school based off of their grades than just as players. So although they technically are in the SEC, that record is very telling of they're an academic school first school. That's just the way it is. Everybody knows that. And so, yes, it might say SEC on their jersey, but there is no reason we can't go get these guys. None at all. Totally different situation than Ole Miss coming in here. South Carolina, um, you know, Kentucky, a middle-of-the-pack SEC school. Vandy is not on those guys' level. We can get these guys this week. Yeah, I'm excited. This is a great opportunity for this group and great opportunity to get the Chang era started. All right, that'll kind of conclude our conversation for the first half. In the second half, we'll go through the we'll go through the schedule. We'll go through all thirteen games. We'll pick some wins. See how many wins we got in the cards for the University of Hawaii. All right, uh, second half coming up again. This is episode fifty-two of Hawaii Football Now. This is Hawaii Football Now from ESPN Honolulu. All right, back with you. Second half time here on Hawaii Football Now, episode. 52 big shout out to Spectrum Mobile and Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union as well. All right, let's dive into the schedule here, Hunter. Let's let's go with the old uh, kind of preseason exercise. Go right down, pick a winner uh, in each game, see how many wins we can cut, find for Hawaii. Seven out of the 13 would get them into a, a bowl game, the Hawaii Bowl. Um, well, six and seven got them into the Hawaii Bowl last year, but seven would at least guarantee them a, a spot. In, in a postseason game with some of the bowl tie-ins. Uh, we'll, we'll see what we got here. I believe the Vegas win total was four and a half uh, coming into the season. That I think you can get pretty optimistic about hitting the over if you're a Hawaii fan or somebody wanting to back that number. All yeah. right, uh, starting off week zero this Saturday, Vanderbilt 2-10. and 10, We already mentioned last year that was good for last in the SEC East. SEC East. Um, they're picked to finish seventh, again, last in the SEC East. Somebody in the media poll voted them first place. I don't know if they like checked the wrong box, but in the parentheses, they got one first place vote. Uh, kind of interesting there. Hunter has already gone on the record. He's got a win here in this one. Uh, we'll try and work to a consensus each game. So I'm not going to argue with you, Hunter. I say we'll give him a W. Give away a W here on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, in my mind, this is a perfect storm for UH. Uh, no team knows what sort of offense we're going to run until after week zero, which is this week. Um, Coach Timmy and these guys have, in my mind, nothing to lose and everything to gain right here. Um, I don't really feel like there's a whole lot of pressure. You can go out and just have some fun. Um, that's what I would be communicating to the guys. Um, you guys are here. This is the brotherhood. This is our state. Um, we have regained the attention of Hawaii. Let's go like defend our house. Um, that this is ours to lose in my opinion yeah and, and and i'm with you i think the the factor of the fact that um look this they're kicking this thing off at 10 30 local time right 10 30 p.m uh in, in terms of of, of what uh, nashville experiences that's it's gonna be a little bit of a test they, they, they came in a few days early obviously to get acclimated but that's still that's still a little bit of a stretch there all right week one technically game two of the season um, a home game against Western Kentucky, uh, the Hilltoppers nine and five last year, 
lost to UTSA, uh, Texas San Antonio in the Conference USA title game. They did win the Boca Raton Bowl against uh, App State. They're picked to finish third in Conference USA this year behind UTSA and UAB. It's a good team. Uh, they've apparently lost their presumptive starting quarterback in Jared Dagey, who had transferred from West Virginia, who can absolutely air it out. Um, he apparently has left. He's now enrolled at Troy, uh, kind of working his way, you know, through the transfer portal or whatever it is. So we're not sure exactly what the quarterback situation is going to be there at Western. But to be quite honest with you, Hunter, they make me more nervous than Vanderbilt does. <laughs> like yeah. this is a good Western Kentucky program, and they have been for a while, starting with Willie Taggart. They always score points. They always have a high-flying offense. They are exciting to watch. Um, and, and this one makes I'm, – I'm less confident about Western Kentucky than I am against Vanderbilt, the SEC team. So I don't know where you're at here and how you feel about that opponent, Hunter. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this game is going to be the tell for us as an offense on how dialed we are. I think the only way to beat a high-powered offense like what um, WKU has is um, to score north of 40 points. And we know that Shoemaker has done that in his previous stops, mainly at Eastern Washington. Um we, I believe that we can get this done, but uh, it'll come down to scoring points and turnover margin as well for that game. I think the Vandy game this weekend will kind of be uh, both teams kind of shaking the rust off, if you will, and kind of figuring out what sort of a team or what we're trying to do. Um, but that, that week two, obviously it's week one for college football, but for us, our second game, Western Kentucky, we're going to have to be dialed if we want to get that done. But I'm Aaron on the side of we will be dialed. Let's get it done. 2-0 and heading into Michigan. Okay, Hunter's got us 2-0 and there. I had it down as an L, but I won't, I won't uh, argue with Hunter. Uh, next game up, yeah, as you mentioned, Michigan. And again, uh, a reminder to everybody, these are kind of real general uh, previews. But every week before uh, Hawaii takes yep. on the, that week's opponent, we'll, we'll dive uh, much deeper into these opponents. Uh, September 10th at Michigan. Wolverines last year, 12-2. and two. Big Ten champs uh, lost to Georgia in the college football playoff semifinals. They're preseason number six in the coaches' poll, number eight in the AP. Um, they're picked to to finish near the top of their division once again in the Big Ten. Um, Hunter's the optimist here, but uh, I had this one down as an L, Hunter. Um, I'm optimistically taking an L as well, Jordan. Um, it would literally be on the level of when Appalachian State went into the big house and got it done against Michigan. I got love for our guys. Um, the focus in this game would be um, injury retention and how many of our guys are ready to play uh, the following weekend at home against Duquesne, our homecoming. Yeah, that'll be the next week up, September 17th, third home game of the season against the Dukes. Uh, Duquesne 7-3 last year, solid season. Came in second in the Northeastern Conference, obviously an FCS opponent, um, 5-2 and two in conference. They did beat Ohio University. They did beat the... Bobcats, right? The yeah. Mac school. So they did have a win over a D1A uh, against the FBS opponents uh, at home. That's one you got to take care of business. I got, I got that one down as a W. I didn't spend too much time pondering that one. What do you say? Yeah, totally. And uh, my, my only worry with the guys in a, a game like that, uh, you're, you're kind of in the middle of season now. You can almost sleep at practice and in preparation against a team like Duquesne. Uh, we got to go out and, and put our foot on their throat. There's no reason why it should be even close. Yeah, the Dukes came down a few years ago. Were you playing it, when they came down? I Yeah, that was, I believe, my senior year when Duquesne came through. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't too long ago. Uh, all right, they've got a bye week after that. Oh, excuse me. No, no, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, the following week, a trip back to Las Cruces, second year in a row, just one time this year, New Mexico State. On the schedule, uh, September 24th, New Mexico State last year, 2-10. and 10, Their two wins against South Carolina State and then the season finale against UMass. Hawaii sweeping the two-game series last year, both in Las Cruces and in Manoa. Uh, interestingly enough, their final year of their current stint of independence, they're joining Conference USA next year, uh, which could make things interesting in some future games uh, matched up against the Aggies. Uh, another one that I didn't spend too much time on, this is one they got to get the W, they got to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, and a chance to pick up uh, an always valued road win. Yeah, similarly to the Duquesne game, this is one of those that we can't afford to lose uh, for bowl game uh, consideration. And we've been talking about this for a while, Jordan. Our first five games, there's a very real possibility that we could be four and one 
heading into conference play. And I think it's very much out there for us to have, have a potential um, to do that and roll the dice uh, for San Diego State in a couple weeks after that. Yeah, they got the bye on the final week of September and then a trip to San Diego State. Uh, the Aztecs were, were good last year. Uh, I know which, which way to put it. 12-2, uh, and 7-1 and one in conference, lost the Mountain West title game nationally to ranked. Utah State, nationally ranked. Uh, they had Matt Arisa just bombing punts all over the place. Just now with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, beat UTSA in the Frisco Bowl. Excuse me, beat Hawaii 17 to 10 last year ah, in Honolulu. That, that was that was one that uh, Hawaii fans, ah. I think, were, uh, were lamenting for quite a while. They're picked to finish second in the West this year. That's tough. Hawaii on the road, always tough in conference and against the San Diego State team that I think should be should be pretty good again. That that you know their MO, they're gonna run the football, they're gonna play good defense. Uh, Brady Hoke has kind of just picked up right where Rocky Long left off and they, they just keep rolling there. Um, I got that one down as an L for Hawaii. Uh, always tough to win on the road in conference and, and San Diego State, I, I think, should be as good as they were last year. Yeah, and it'll be at their new home stadium. Uh, that's right. Snapdragon. Yeah, that's right. Um, this one's going to be tough. Uh, anything can happen any given Sunday, but I got an L for, for us on this one as well. All right. Uh, the week after that, Hawaii returns home to take on Nevada. Wolfpack eight and five last year. Obviously, Timmy Chang was on that staff a year ago. Five and three, third in the West in Mountain West Conference. Play lost in Western Michigan in the Quick Lane Bowl. They did beat Hawaii 34-17 in Reno last year. Uh, picked to finish fourth in the West Division this season. Home game. This is one of those that I kind of had uh, toss up for me, Hunter. You know, I kind of put the the little dash through. Uh, I wasn't confident either way, but it is one of those games where if Hawaii is kind of where we think they are, um, you know, they, they'll be they'll be in position to, to pick up a win here. And Nevada kind of similar, right? First year head coaching regime there. Yeah. Um, if we handle our job in the first five games before conference play, that would mean we really only have to go 500 in conference play to make it to a bowl game. And so I've got Nevada as one of those marquee games to get us closer to that lucky number seven. Um, you know, if all of that does happen, that would put us at the five win mark at that point. And so I'm going to err on the side that we do get it done at home against Nevada that week. And we're five and two um, heading into Colorado state. Hey man, five and two with a win against Western Kentucky Vanderbilt uh we're making some noise here i like it i like it we're the, we're the optimist here on the podcast uh all right the following week um they're they're up at colorado state a trip to fort collins on october 22nd colorado state three and nine last year two and six fifth in the mountain lost to hawaii 50 to 45 remember that shutout uh shootout i should say where hawaii got out to the big lead kind of let them make it interesting at the end pick to finish fourth in the mountain this year are the Rams. They weren't very good last year, Colorado State. No. They, I, I thought they were pretty abysmal. Um, and that's a huge reason for the coaching change there. And obviously, Jay Norvell has taken over. I think they'll be a lot better. I think Colorado State will be a lot better than they were last year. Obviously, Timmy going up against one of his mentors is going to be a huge storyline going into that game as well. Trips to the mountain time zone have been even less favorable for the University of Hawaii. Um, I got this one down as an L for the Bows. Um, even if they come off a win against Nevada, I just think that's that's one of those. And, and Hunter, you got way more firsthand experience than I do making some of these road trips. But that's that's a tough ask um, to head out all the way to to Colorado and then um, and uh, come out with the W. Although you know it could be kind of interesting because they're in a very similar boat with a ton of turnover there um, and a new coaching staff. Yeah, this is, in my opinion, the start of the toughest part of our schedule travel-wise. Um, we're at Colorado. We come back the very next week against Wyoming. The next week, we go to Fresno. The, uh, and then the week after that, we're um, at home against Utah State. Um, this is usually the pivotal point of the year that we have injuries to deal with. Um, guys have uh, school stuff that they got to worry about, too, that this is the tough um, dog days of the season is starting in this Colorado state, um, game. So it's kind of a wash for me too, Jordan. And, uh, 
Uh, it really all four of these Colorado state, the home game against Wyoming, Fresno is always tough. Utah state at home. That one's going to be tough too. This, this is kind of a gray zone for me uh, looking at our schedule. Yeah, it's a lot of toss-ups. The next game, as you mentioned, against Wyoming Cowboys, seven and six last year. Interestingly enough, they weren't good in conference play. They only went two and six yeah. um, in conference play. Finished fourth in the Mountain, beat Kent State in the uh, the always fun, famous Idaho Potato Bowl Potato up Bowl. there in Boise. They lost to Hawaii. Remember, thirty-eight um, fourteen in Laramie. Laramie. At that point, we thought, okay, they were on the verge of not going to a bowl game because that put them at six and six at the time. Uh, they're picked to finish fifth in the mountain this year. Hawaii played. Uh, that was to me the, about the high point of the Todd Graham era. They looked really yeah. good on both sides of the ball in Laramie, Tons of um, you know, at home, they've played well against Wyoming at home in particular over the last several years. Remember the Chevin Cordero game where he had to come in and start for Cole McDonald and kind of a, a slug fest. I got that one as a W I, I, I think, you know, kind of a similar story right Hawaii going to Colorado State for for a lot of the same reasons Wyoming coming out here to the island is it, just as tough in a lot of ways if not more tough because you're playing pretty late in the night uh in terms of their body clocks so I, I got that one as a win for Hawaii yeah yeah if we get a if we get a W there let's conservatively say that gets us to five after Wyoming um given what happens with Western Kentucky and the Nevada and Colorado State games right there from what we talked about earlier that would mean we would only need to win two out of our next four to get to that number seven. Yeah. And that, that, that could be really interesting because I think, you know, you got the, the November 5th trip to Fresno, Fresno 10 and three last year, six and two second in the West beat UTEP in, New, in the New Mexico bowl. Jake Hayner is back. Frank DeBoer is gone. Yeah. He's over at Washington now. So they got a new coaching change, but they got their QB back. They're picked to win the West this year. They got a lot of talent coming back. You know, even with a coaching change, you would think, hey, maybe they lose out, including uh, including a guy from Hawaii on that roster uh, there in Fresno. So I I think this is going to be a tough one on the road. We, you know, always a fun rivalry. We, we've talked about it here on the podcast. The fact that this won't be a yearly rivalry in, in the next few years is, is kind of a bummer. Um, Hawaii lost 27 or excuse me, lost to Hawaii 27-24, which probably was the marquee win of last season even if yep. they maybe didn't look quite as good as they did in Wyoming in the final game of the season. I, I had that one as a loss. Uh, it, tough, tough proposition to go up there and beat a really good Fresno team. Yeah. And I think they're, they're hungry uh, to, to beat us after what happened last year. So um, that's, that's going to be a tall task for us to uh, go up there against Fresno, but spooky things happen up in Fresno. It, it really does. But I, I got this as now right now as well. All right. So Two out of the final, or excuse me, yeah, two out of the final three games at home for the University of Hawaii. You got November 12th against Utah State, the defending Mountain West Conference champs, went six and two in the conference, uh, 11 and three overall, beat San Diego State in the conference championship game, beat Oregon State in the Los Angeles Bowl, beat down Hawaii, quite honestly, 51 31 in Logan last year. They're picked to finish third in the, uh, in the Mountain Division this season. At home, that's another one. You know, some of these teams they come out and play well. I, I, I think Utah State's going to be pretty good again. Um, I had this down as an L. Uh, what have you, Hunter? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there too. Of, of those last four, Fresno and Utah State are going to be the toughest to, uh, to get the job done there. My, my pick for us to get those final two wins is UNLV and San Jose. All right, so Hunter's got uh, San Jose and UNLV as wins. Those are the final two games. The final home game, November 19th against UNLV. Rebels went 2-10 and 10 last year, 2-6. and six. Finished last in the West Division. Of course, a lot of people, nightmares of the game up in Vegas. Hawaii wow. lost 27-13 to 13 in a game that uh, just was not pretty. Not pretty at all. Uh, the Rebels picked to finish fifth in the West this year ahead of Hawaii. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm much higher on the University of Hawaii than I am UNLV this season. That, that'll be a bit of a revenge game for a lot of guys on the roster as well in what is a rivalry trophy game um, there. And so the, the season finale is at San Jose State. A little down year for Brent Brennan and his crew that had been in the Mountain West Championship game the year before. Went 5-7, and 3-5, fourth in the West Division. They did beat Hawaii 
there were a few of these last year, right? Where it's like, man, Hawaii, it, th- the three home games, the San Diego State, the, the Fresno game, and the San Jose State game, if those three games go the opposite direction, it's a much different story for exactly. the University of Hawaii. Picked to finish third in the West this year. Media pretty high on this group. Um, it, it, it's one of those, I think, on the road. That'll be an emotional game, right? Shevin Cordero yeah. likely the starter in that game if everything works out according to plan. Um, it, it possibly could be maybe for both teams, you know, a lot riding on it for Hawaii. Maybe that's the game that they need for, for bowl eligibility. Uh, there's a lot going on there. That was one that I had down as a toss up as well. Yeah, no, this is, there's so much that'll play into that game from an interpersonal level, from a season and bowl eligibility level. Uh, I've got that game circled as one of the ones that I'm looking forward to most for this, this year. I just wish it was at home. Um, cause Chev coming home after transferring, I mean, that would have been absolute poetry in motion. Right <laughs> yeah, it's one of, the, one of those, you can't really write the script, right. Uh, but it will be, um, you know, nearly as, as emotional, I think on the road there. Yeah. So interestingly enough, uh, based on our picks here, we got Hawaii going eight and five. So nothing to worry about folks. Uh, Hawaii in great position. If they, if they can get somewhere around five wins to me, I think that's a huge step in the right direction under a first year regime. Uh, and with the way that the schedule does set up here, it's a tough conference schedule as well. Mountain West opponents on the schedule this year, the, the eight that they are playing uh, all at, in total averaged seven wins from a year ago. And that includes, you know, Fresno, Utah state and, San Diego State all winning 10 plus games. So it's a tough conference schedule to go along with, I think is a fairly balanced non-conference schedule as well. So yeah, overall, we got them going eight and five. We'll check back in come uh, Thanksgiving and see how well or not that we did uh, in the old uh, preseason exercise when it comes down to it. But I do think reasonably, you know, we, I think we had about three toss up games in there. And so you're kind of looking at maybe four wins we feel pretty confident about. I think you got about, uh, you know, six to seven where it's like, oh, that's going to be tough for the University of Hawaii. But then the remaining three games or so, three to four games, I, I do think are, are fair to say that they're toss up. So I, I think that this could be a good season for the University of Hawaii. But again, if they finish somewhere five wins or so, that, I'd feel I'd feel pretty good about that. And, and obviously it'll dictate how those wins and losses come about as well, right? If you're, if you're faced with a situation like last year where you had three games that were decided by four points, eh, it's going to yeah. sting a little bit more. So, but I think overall brand picture five wins plus for me is a good target. Uh, but I do see some potential for, for, for a few more wins on the board. Yeah. I, you know, even if we go more conservative with that, there's a very real chance that we go 500 this year um, or close to that number. And that's what Rolo did in his first year as, as our mm-hmm. head coach. Um, that's a great target, I think, for Timmy as our new head coach. Any new regime, it usually takes a couple of years to get uh, in the swing of things. Um, but uh, if, we, if we finish this year with this schedule, 500 eking over to above 500, I feel like that is an amazing job by this staff. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. So it'll be fun. Um, I hope everybody's pumped. We got the game on Saturday. Again, you can catch it on ESPN Honolulu. You can catch Hunter on that as well. 430 kickoff TV wise, you can catch it on CBS Sports Network. One last thing before we hit the overtime here and wrap up the second half. Uh, wanted to give a shout out. Uh, Bows and the pros, man. We always like to, to touch on the guys. This one's a somber one, though. Rigoberto Sanchez, one of the the all-timers from the University of Hawaii, who has just carved out a magnificent career in Indianapolis, uh, out for the season with a torn Achilles. I saw that news yesterday. That was the fear. Uh, Test confirmed it. News put out today. And, uh, man, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. The guy has really, really cemented himself as one of the premier punchers in the league and uh, a valued member of that that Colts team that I, I kind of like this year with Matt Ryan taking over. I'm, I'm high on the Colts, man. Um, and I like them to win that division, to be quite honest. Uh, but it's ah, no Rigo this year. That's that's about Achilles, too. That's such a gruel of a of a rehab and a, and a long timeline. But our best to, to Sanchez and, and hope Rigoberto can get back out there soon. Uh, Rigo getting the Kobe injury on 824 is not good mojo right there. So, uh, yeah, Rigo, all the best from us, man. We're rooting for you. Um, 
we know you'll be back out there kicking balls to the moon in no time. So uh, yeah. best of luck, man. Yeah, one of one of the one of the premier punters in the league. All right, that'll uh, do it for us here on the second half. A quick little overtime before we get out on what has turned into an extended episode here in episode 52. I just wanted to give a little shout out um, to my guy, Devin Shoji, his dad, his family, Ron. Um, they are longtime UH football season ticket holders, like diehard fans. Uh, they were there for all the games that they could go to last year. Uh, they, they got a couple of season tickets here this year as well. Um Uncle Ron's a, a supporter of the podcast as well. Uh, but Devin tied the knot this past weekend to his beautiful bride, uh, Stacy, uh, Stacy Lee, uh, a friend of ours as well. So um, at this beautiful wedding, uh, got to meet Uncle Ron. And, um, you know, we, we mainly just talked UH football. Uh, at, at the, at, you know, eh, among other things, we, we talked about the, the, the nuptials and the, the beautiful bride and groom. But, uh, you know, we, want, we wanted to talk a little UH football, which was a lot of fun. And, um, we uh, had to break the news that uh, we do indeed not know who the starting quarterback is going to be. And we still don't know, uh, but that's kind of the fun conversation. Just wanted to give a, a shout out to the show G's here, but any last parting thoughts from you Hunter as, uh, as we head out here and uh, count down, man, we're, we're, we're close to just counting down the hours until kickoff. Yeah. Uh, other than football, big support behind this little league team from Hawaii. Um, yes. I was, I was uh big on baseball my whole upbringing I think you guys know my story didn't play football in high school baseball was my game these kids have perfect swings I mean clip for clip you pause it it looks like Derek Jeter Albert Pujols Mike Trout at 10 9 10 11 years old these guys picturesque swings and they're hitting them to the moon um love what I'm seeing here and they've got the pitching to back it up there's no way that you're shutting out teams without solid pitching so guys we're behind you ESPN Honolulu is obviously behind you go get it done in Williamsport it's awesome they're, they're two wins away they, they absolutely shellacked and I mean shellacked Tennessee uh, 13 to nothing in four innings earlier today as we record this on Wednesday and what is essentially the U.S. semifinal uh, they the played not out of people uh, they, they, they hit five home runs or something like that today they might have hit more uh, including a leadoff homer by Kikoa Payanal. Cohen Sakamoto had two, including a grand slam in the bottom of the first inning that put them up 5-0 right out of the gate. Um, it's amazing. They, they, are, they, are, they are good. Uh, and they're two wins away. They're two wins away from a World Series championship. They play in the U.S. championship game. That'll be about 9.30 Hawaii time on Saturday. And then if they win that one on Sunday, it would be the overall championship game 9 a.m hawaii time uh you can catch that on abc television as well as obviously espn honolulu has coverage for that as well they guarantee two more games if they do lose on saturday would they would play in the third place game that would be 4 a.m hawaii time on sunday but yeah that's uh they've been amazing unbelievable yeah no i i mean who else would i pick right now i think they're gonna they're gonna go <laughs> hey, get them all. there's nobody hotter right now man they're like hansel nobody hotter than the uh honolulu little eagles so hot right now so hot and they uh again they got they got two more wins to get it done and, and hopefully they can continue the train rolling on saturday all right that'll do it for us here on episode 52 went a little long but i you know we had a lot to get to and i think uh folks will uh will will we'll get a little excited here as as it is game week no doubt about it. Big thanks to Spectrum Mobile, Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, as well our proud sponsors. Big thanks to you, Hunter. Big thanks to our guy, Jaron, behind the controls. We will see everybody next week. We will recap what could be win number one of the Timmy Chang era. We shall see. It will definitely be game number one of the Chang era. All right. See uh, Hunter down at the field. If you're there, send him a shout out. If not, uh, we'll see you next week here on Hawaii Football Now. Aloha, everybody. You've been listening to Hawaii Football Now with Jordan Halley and Hunter Hughes, all from ESPN Honolulu.